Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing, it's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, how's it going out there? Welcome to The Other People Show. I'm Brad Listy here in Los Angeles, California. It's nice to be with you. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're doing all right. I have another flashback episode for you today. It is Friday, and as such, I am going to be digging into the archives and will be sharing with you today an outtake from episode 684, my conversation with Michael Schumacher, who is an expert on the late American poet Allen Ginsberg. Michael Schumacher is the author of a terrific biography of Allen Ginsberg entitled Dharma Lion. It was published in 2016 by the University of Minnesota Press. Along with that, Michael Schumacher has edited several books uh, about Ginsberg or by Ginsberg, including Ginsburg's Iron Curtain Journals and South American Journals, a book of correspondence called uh, Family Business, which features correspondence between Allen and his father, Lewis, a book called Conversations with Allen Ginsberg, featuring interviews of Allen Ginsberg, and then uh, another book called The Fall of America Journals, 1965 to 1971. Michael Schumacher edited that as well the journals of Allen Ginsberg during that time period. So truly an expert and somebody who knew Allen personally and well and was able to offer a lot of great insight into his life and work and was able to share stories of times that he had been with Allen Ginsberg, things that he had said, and so on and so forth. So a great resource and a great conversation. You're going to hear a bit of my conversation with Michael Schumacher from episode 684, momentarily. Before we get started today, a quick reminder that I do an email newsletter. I would love it if you would subscribe to my newsletter. It's once a week. It's simple. It's straightforward. I let you know 
about the latest episodes of the show, and I share some links to things that I've been reading and finding interesting. So if you would like to hear from me once a week in your inbox, you can sign up for the newsletter over at bradlisty.com or otherppl.com. As well, you can join the Other People Patreon community over at patreon.com slash otherpplpod. Show some support for this show and help keep it rolling into the future. So once again, today's flashback features an outtake from episode 684, my conversation with Michael Schumacher, author of the biography of the late American poet Allen Ginsberg. The book is called Dharma Lion, and it is superb. What a wild life Allen Ginsberg led. If you're not familiar with it, you really should read this book because he was a poet and he lived like a rock star. Not in the, uh, you know, not in the sense that he was living some sort of wild life of excess, though I suppose at times he was, but just that he traveled the world and knew all sorts of famous people and was like backstage with the Rolling Stones. And, you know, he just had quite a life. And this biography really captures it. And of course, he, you know, created a body of work that has stood the test of time and that was hugely influential and managed to just build a life for himself as a poet in our culture and in our country to a degree of success that very few poets ever reach. So it's really fascinating to me on that level and then just fascinating to get to talk to somebody who knew him, Michael Schumacher, you know, spent a lot of time with Allen Ginsberg and has spent a lot of time immersed in his papers. So there are a few people on earth who probably know more about Allen Ginsberg than Michael Schumacher. And we just had a great conversation. So let's get to today's flashback from episode 684. It first aired on December 9th, 2020. And you can listen to the full episode. If you like what you hear in this flashback and you would like to go in for the full conversation, it's in the feed. So episode 684, if you want to listen to the full talk with Michael Schumacher about Allen Ginsberg. All right. So here is today's flashback from December 9th, 2020, episode 684. I am in conversation here with Michael Schumacher. I did interview him for Writer's Digest, but I met Alan for another magazine. They wanted me, and, and Alan was so thrilled by it. The magazine was back when Hugh Hefner owned We Magazine. You know, and Playboy owned We. And they wanted an interview of Alan talking about his music. And nobody ever treated Alan's music very seriously. Uh, and all of a sudden, here I was interviewing him uh, about that and that exclusively. And that really opened the floodgates for me because after that interview, he trusted me. You know, it, it was really odd. Anytime I wanted to talk to him, I was welcome to do so. And uh, when I started working on the biography a few years later, you know, he'd be in... You know, it's really funny, and this is really odd. For as well as I knew Alan, and I knew him very, very well by the end of his life, and as many times as I interviewed him, I never one time interviewed him in New York. I always got him on the road, which was good in the respect that he wasn't easily interrupted. 
you know, he'd be in a hotel room somewhere or we'd be out to eat lunch or something. And, you know, I could talk to him without any interruption, which was kind of cool. But I, when I think back, he wanted to do interviews in New York and I always turned him down. Uh, he, he, Alan was a night owl and he, he wanted to like do interviews like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning in his neck of the woods. And I said, Alan, I'm not coming down there. He got, <laughs> he got mugged a couple of times in his own neighborhood. You know, that was a rough neighborhood back in those days. Not so much anymore, but it was then. And because uh, there, there, were, there was what they called Alphabet City, which was, it was really just one four block shooting gallery. It was all burned out buildings and stuff. That's all been redone. And so I knew life had changed in New York when I went to Alphabet City the first year when they had a uh, Starbucks. <laughs> I went, okay, then uh, things are a little different. Right, but it was it was rough, and I just wouldn't go down there, you know, and uh, take my chances in in that neighborhood. And I've been out in New York at all times and night, uh, but that neighborhood was especially tough. And uh, Alan didn't seem to mind it, but he was staying home too. Yeah, he that was didn't just hurt. He was just in his he apartment. Was at home. Hey, everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing, it's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What, uh, what, what were your, like, what was it like to be in his presence? And what were some of your early impressions of him as a man? You know, as, as a man, I was always impressed by what a decent person he was. He doesn't get that. There were several things about Alan that people don't understand. First of all, his, his decency. He wasn't, you know, people remember some of the crazy stuff because I remember being in an argument with him and Lawrence Sterling Getty. They were on one side and Bob Rosenthal, who ran Alan's office, and I were on another one out in Boulder when Alan and Sterling Getty in the middle of a, a big week devoted to Allen, uh, decided to come out in support of NAMBLA. 
and our argument was, is I, I understood because they were arguing it as a freedom of speech issue. I understood it, but like I told Alan, I stand by it. You couldn't win that argument. You cannot win that argument because I don't care who you were. But Alan, you know, he wasn't interested in, in, in young boys and all this other stuff. But he he was interested in people's having the opportunity to discuss their interests or whatever. So that became a big issue. But Alan was never, ever given, and this is a lead-in to one of the, to answer your question, one of my impressions about him was he was never given real, real uh, credit for the great courage that he had. Yeah, that, that strikes me. Uh, I mean, that's always struck me about him and his work, but in reading about his life and, and work mm-hmm. in the biography, the the relentless and fearless self-documentation in the journals, absolutely, but also in his public facing life, in interviews, in his work, in the work itself, there, yeah. you know, it's easy to sort of dismiss, I think, sometimes somebody who is just sharing uh, or uh, some people might characterize it oversharing until you yes. act, un- until you actually try to do it. And that's I, the thing. It's true. That's true. That's very true. Uh, he wrote a poem that's in this this volume that just came out called Please Master. And this poem, he was afraid to read it. What he done, what he did was this was right after Neil Cassidy died. He wrote, and it was a, it was extremely explicit, uh, a poem about Neil and his relationship, their sexual relationship, and um, he couldn't do it. He, he literally couldn't read it at first. Then he could. He, he did, and he got over it. And now you think about that. That was written in 1968, that poem. And it really was. I mean, it's not something for everybody, that's for sure. And we got to laughing about it because when I, I saw the unedited version of it, the original version, you know, in his notebooks, I'm going, oh, my God, Alan. Um, <laughs> but um, the thing that I, I guess I'm getting at here is that all these years later, I, I edited a book called The Essential Ginsburg, which is like a greatest hits, the best of his poetry, the best of his photography, the best of his music, the best of his interviews, uh, journal entries, and so on. Um, the big fat book that came out with Harper Collins, which was his publisher. And when that book came out, we had a big event. There were actually two of them, but one of them was really big in New York, where a lot of poets and well-known people got together and read Allen's poetry. And People were fighting over who could read Please Master. Everybody wanted a shot. Straight guys wanted a shot at it. <laughs> who, who got to you read know, it? Who got to read it? You know, it was a poet. Uh, I don't remember. I, I don't know him. You know, I, I've never heard of him before. Oh, okay. So what, it, wasn't, it wasn't like Johnny Depp or something. No, no, no. No. Um, there were, it, it's really funny because what's happening now with um, the one now is... They're doing, and it's out in New York, and it's being uh, out. In, I'm sorry, in Los Angeles, it's being recorded. They're recording a lot of these poems or, or things from, you know, the the Fall of America journals, setting it to music. And there are some names, you know, involved in that. He, uh, <clears throat> they want to have it out next year at some point, which would be great. 
you know, it'd be great for the book. It'd be, be good to have Alan. It's, it, you know, it's really hard. I'll tell you the honest of God truth for me. <clears throat> it's hard for me to believe for one thing. Alan has been dead now for 23 years. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, like I was in, uh, I went to school in, in Boulder at the university of Colorado in the mid nineties. Ah. And I never crossed paths with him. You know, that was towards the end. I graduated mm-hmm. in 1997, but I had ah. I had proximity to Naropa. I, it was all right there, sure. but I, I was like too young and uh, stupid to realize what was well, in front of me. Well, you know, we all learn when we do. I mean, I never would have heard of Allen Ginsberg if I hadn't been dragged kicking and screaming through the parochial schools. And somewhere, I guess it was about my sophomore year of high school, one of the nuns started in on him and and what an evil man he was and this and that. And don't read his books. It said that. So of course the first thing I did was took a bus to downtown Milwaukee, went in, I bought a copy of Howl and other poems. And I read Howl, and I'm going, Oh my God, this is the most amazing shit I've ever seen. You know? And the rest of that book is pretty good too. Incidentally for a little skinny book, it's, it's loaded. And, <clears throat> So I would have never have heard of him. Well, I would have heard of him, I'm sure, because he was so big in the 60s. But back then, you know, I was hearing the, the downside from this nun. What year was this? And this would have been about, now I'm, I'm guessing, uh, 65 or 66 in that neighborhood. I remember the nun, and, and, and uh, but I had her for a couple of classes over the a couple of years out there and uh i don't remember exactly the year it's either 65 or 6 that i can guarantee you and you know was, I, I wish i'd saved that copy of the book incidentally because that was a fairly early edition you know it might be worth something today <laughs> uh, but he um you know when, when i first met him you know getting back to what you originally asked too you know you you have ideas in your head i'd read this guy i thought you know that that he was angry alan he could get the wrath of jeremiah you know but not really he, he was a pretty patient man and uh he always believed in the the buddhist principles of patience and generosity alan did stuff that was just totally you know unheard of as far as i was concerned like what as far as helping I, I, one time I went out to New York. This is a perfect example. This would have been, oh, I don't know, 88 or 89, somewhere in that neighborhood. I was working on Dharma Lion, and I was going out there. And one of my jobs while I was out there, one of my set, uh, interview uh, setups was with his stepmother, Edith, who married, you know, Alan's father. It was his second wife, Alan's second wife. His first wife, you know, Naomi was, I mean, they were divorced. I mean, she was she was crazy, as they used to say, anyway. But I was supposed to interview Edith. Alan was out of town when I showed up. And uh, I set up the interview with Edith, and, and I, the day I was supposed to go, I went out to New York with almost no money in my pocket. I had an uh, uh, advance check that I'd received and um, was... Uh, having it mailed this is in this day and age it seems almost incredible i had it was like twelve hundred dollars that was being mailed to me in cash and it was being sent to my publisher's house 
overnight mail, you know, when it was available. It wasn't available when I left because back in those days, I, I guess they still do. They made you wait a couple of days, you know, make sure the check cleared and everything else. So, all right, I'm, I'm supposed to, to, to take the bus out to Patterson, you know, New Jersey. I'm supposed to talk to Ida. And she was going to pick me up at the bus station. And so uh, the time was coming and hadn't shown up. The check hadn't shown, hadn't shown. So I finally called Ida because I wasn't worried about having the money. I didn't want that kind of money floating around St. Martin's Press or mail room or anything else. And so I called Edith up, and I just explained it to her. And I said, look, you know, this is, uh, this is what's happened. This is what I'm going to do, on and on. She says, it's fine. I said, I'll come in the next, the next bus. She says, fine, I'll be there. So everything was cool, no problem. I took the, the check, uh, the money arrived. I, I went, got on the bus, went out to Patterson. Edith was waiting. We spent, you know, oh, my God, about five hours together um, while I interviewed her about Alan and about Louis, you know, Alan's father and so forth. And I went home. Didn't think anything of it. Well, later on that evening, about 8 o'clock, the phone rings in the place where I was staying. And it's Alan. And he'd just gotten into town. He said, and, and he had his, he, I wish I could imitate his voice because he would say, so how are you? You know, he, he, he just had a way of saying things. And I said, I'm fine. He goes, well, that's not what I hear. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I, I was talking to Edith. He said, oh, Alan, don't even start. And he goes, now listen. He said, you don't ever come to New York with no money. And I says, God, I've done it many times, Alan. And he says, well, if you need money, I'll give you money. And I says, well, that would kind of blow any chance of anybody's believing my objectivity in the making of this book. And uh, But he really chewed me out about it. He says, you don't come out here with no money. <laughs> and, and, and what he did do for me over the years, and I always appreciated it, he'd say, what are you, what are you doing right now? I said, nothing. He said, run down to St. Mark's bookstore, buy some of my books and bring them back. So I go down to St. Mark's, I'd pick up four or five books of his, bring them back, and he would sign them, inscribe them, and draw little drawings and stuff in there. And he said, now take these to the Gotham bookmark and get some money. And so I would. I'd go there. He would, it, in five books, he'd pay for my trip. Wow. That was Alan. You know, he, he helped more people, you know, and I, I, could, I could line them up and just tell you how, how generous he was. And, and uh, these are things that, you know, a lot of times gets lost in the, the shuffle, you know. But he was a very generous man. I never took any money, per se, from him. Never did that. Although I will say he has a, a um, it's a corporation, I guess, called Committee on Poetry, COP, which we always thought was kind of funny. And I took a loan from it once. You know, I paid it back. But uh, they had it, and, and that's what it was there for. COP was for people that didn't have money that were trying to do something, you know, now, cop actually bought a farm in uh, upstate New York uh, near Cherry Valley. And Bob Rosenthal, his old secretary for many, many years, 
from about 1973 until Alan's death. He owns that place now. He mm. bought it. He bought it from Committee on Poetry, and he loves it. It's his place away from New York City. But, you know, if you start on this kind of stuff, this Allen stuff, there's so much, you know, that happens behind the scenes that uh, when I think of some of the better times I ever had with him, it was weird stuff. Going out to dinner. One time, one particular noteworthy occasion, he just he, he, he poked his head because I always stayed in the guest room in uh, – where his office was. He had a big loft and I, there was a guest room there. And I always stayed, which I always was grateful for because that saved a whole lot of money. He poked his head in and he said, I'm going out to dinner with a bunch of guys. You feel like coming out? And I said, sure. And I dropped everything. I, I, I grabbed my bag, a big shoulder bag. And um, we went to this uh, Thai restaurant, one of his favorite places. And Larry Rivers, the, the great painter, was there. And um, who all was there? Uh, Ron Padgett, a poet, was there. Bob Rosenthal was there. There were about seven of us who were there, sitting around a table. And the only reason I mentioned a shoulder bag, it was very funny, because Rivers was a very funny guy. I got to know him. And um, very funny guy. And Alan, at one point, saw a book peeking out of my book bag, uh, it was New York in the 50s, it was called, and it was written by, um, was it Dan Jenkins? I think it was Dan Jenkins wrote it, and I was reviewing it for the Milwaukee Journal. And Alan says to me, he, he says, um, have you read this book? And I said, yes, I have. I'm working on the review. And he says, would you mind if I take a look at it? And I said, absolutely not. And so I handed him the book, and he goes straight to the index, looks up his name all the times because he's all over that book. And uh, Rivers starts doing shtick. It was hilarious. Alan's got his head down. The waiter came to the table. They ordered what Alan always orders every single time. He left and everything. Finally, Alan pokes his head up and goes, well, we should should order. And Rivers (laughs) says, oh, Alan, we've got it all covered. And Alan goes, well, do they know I'm diabetic? And Rivers goes, everybody in New York knows you're diabetic. (laughs) And he, he was hilarious. And, and, and Alan jumps up from his chair, chases down the waiter in the, wa- in, in the um, restaurant, pulls out of his pocket his numbers. And he saw, and the whole time he's doing this, Larry Rivers is just doing a number, an absolute stick on Alan and his diabetes. And it was hilarious. All right, everybody, there we go. That's today's flashback, episode 684. My conversation with Michael Schumacher, author of the Allen Ginsberg biography entitled Dharma Lion. The episode first aired on December 9th, 2020. If you want to hear the full conversation with Michael Schumacher about Allen Ginsberg, it's in the feed. Episode 684, have at it. Don't forget to subscribe to this show wherever you listen. You can also subscribe on YouTube, follow the program on social media, TikTok, Instagram, and what used to be known as Twitter, also Blue Sky. Forgot to mention that. If you want to join the Other People Patreon community, just go to patreon.com slash otherpplpod. Help keep this show rolling. 
If you have a couple of minutes and you want to do me a small favor, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. It helps the show in the algorithm. It helps it find new listeners. If you would like to get another People t-shirt, you can do that at otherppl.com. And don't forget to sign up for my newsletter. Did I say that? You can do the uh, newsletter sign up at otherppl.com or bradlesty.com. Finally, I have a novel out. My latest novel is called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. It's available in ebook, trade paperback, audiobook edition. I narrate the audiobook. So if you want to read my novel, it's called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. All right. So another flashback in the books coming up on Sunday on this program, I will be in conversation with Kashiar J. Kabushani, author of a debut novel entitled I Will Greet the Sun Again, available from Hogarth Press. I'll be talking with Kashiar Kabushani in just a couple of days. So stay tuned. Thank you.